Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. This is volume 100-something. We have another amazing episode. Travis is crushing it, getting us great guests every single week. And this week is no different. We have United States of America Olympic gold medalist swimmer Lily King at the Rio Olympics in 2016 as a rising sophomore at Indiana University. Lily won the 100-meter gold in the breaststroke. In doing so, she also became a global personality because of her candor. She had no qualms saying what she thought and meaning it. She had no qualms talking the talk, and then she went and walked the walk, and when that happens, the world pays attention. We had a great conversation with Lily. We learned a lot about we learned a lot about a lot. Her aspirations in Tokyo, what she expects getting there in what is now due to the COVID-19 pandemic, a state of emergency in Tokyo, Japan. There will be no fans at the Tokyo Olympic Games. That's going to be weird. What's that going to be like? We we discuss it with Lily. What has she gone through in training for an extra year due to the global pandemic? And how did that impact her training and her timeline? When your entire life is regimented to the point that every single thing that happens in your life leads up to one moment, and that's jumping in that pool. And that timeline has shifted an entire year. How's that impact your life? It was dramatic. She tells us about it here. And one of the main reasons that Travis and I wanted to talk to Lily in the first place was NIL, name, image, likeness which is now permeating collegiate athletics in the United States of America. When you are a gold medalist as a rising sophomore at a Big Ten school with a big platform and all of that fame, you have substantial earning potential. What does Lily think that she forfeited as a result of the fact that she chose to stay in Indiana for four years and not take that money? It's fascinating to listen to her talk about it. You guys will love this. Here's Olympic gold medalist Lily King on Marty Smith's America. United States swimmer Lily King won gold in the 100 breaststroke in record time in Rio and has dominated everything in her path since that time. From college at Indiana to the Big Ten Championships to the nation to the world. And it's such a pleasure to welcome her here today to Marty Smith's America. Lily, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we're huge fans and we really appreciate you, you giving us this time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the latest news, uh, with what, what's to come in Tokyo. You'll compete there with no fans amid concern over coronavirus. What are your thoughts about heading to Japan amid what has been termed a state of emergency? There's nothing that I can do about it. Um, so honestly, I'm just trying to just trying to focus on the swimming. Um, I know that that USA Swimming and the IOC and the USOPC are taking all the precautions that they think are necessary and possible. Um, so we've just got to, you know, we just got to follow the rules and be safe. And uh, other than that, there's really it's all out of my hands. So I'm just going to try and focus on the swimming part. That's kind of been the unique part of all this over the last 18 or so months is that all of it's out of our hands in a lot of ways. What have you learned from the IOC about how athletes will need to operate at the games regarding COVID protocol when you're not practicing or competing? Have you been given those guidelines yet? 
Um, I don't think we've had like a specific meeting about it yet. I'm sure we will soon. Um, cause we leave for Tokyo Monday. So I'm not totally sure. I don't think there's going to be a lot of like wandering around outside the village like normal. I think it's just going to be like, all right, go to your room, go eat, go to the pool, go back to your room. So sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, that's kind of normal once we're competing though. So I think it'll just kind of limit some distractions. It might be, it might be good for us, honestly. We'll see. I know this is an elementary question and I have a pretty good idea what you're going to say, but I, I want to hear you say it. What are your goals and expectations for Tokyo? How will you define success there for yourself? Uh, you know, just want to go win some medals. <laughs> That's about it. I've got potentially four races, three for sure. Um, we're still still waiting on the mixed medley to see if I'll be on that relay or not. Um, but that'll depend on how I swim in, in the hunter breast. Um, so, I mean, I would love to win four gold medals. That's as, that's as good as I can do. So um, that's kind of what I'm shooting for. I watched this video about you recently about this alter ego, this other person that shows up in the competitive arena. And having covered all sports uh, during my time at ESPN, I've met a few athletes that are that way. It's just this light switch and you turn into a completely different human define for me and describe for me the difference between this very kind, unassuming person sitting before me and whoever that person is in, in the waiting room to go. Yeah, it's just um, normally I'm just like normal day to day, Lily, very goofy, very lighthearted. Um, and then once I get in the ready room, it's, it's go time. And, and I'm a fierce, fierce competitor. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where that, flip of the switch occurs or, or why that happens but um that's just kind of how I've always been and when I get in the ready room I'm just ready to go and everyone is my enemy so uh, I kind of treat them that way everyone is my enemy you're interesting you have an unfiltered approach to media and to describing your own emotions that's very rare in today's world how did you develop that uh, again, I've, I've always been this way. Um, you know, I think my parents always encouraged me to be myself, whether, you know, I know at a young age that was obnoxious because um, I've always, I've always been like this, even, you know, at six, seven years old, just unfiltered, unapologetically myself. Um, but they, they encourage that. And I think that's something that I, I carried with me, you know, through the Olympics in 2016. And I think that's, I kind of like having the media persona of like being myself. That's, that's very nice to me. It makes my life a lot easier. So um, yeah, I just kind of, I say what's on my mind. That's what people want to hear. Um, you know, they don't want to hear me circle around the question. They want to hear what they, what, you know, what my opinions are. So I'm not afraid to give them, give my opinions to people. What happened? You were so, I mean, you're still so young, but you were so young <laughs> and here you are this gold medalist with that type of, of personality and that type of confidence or in your own words, a lot of the time cockiness. Mm -hmm. What did you learn about yourself from the way people treated you in the aftermath of those things? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a process of self-discovery <laughs> at that point. Um, but just, you know, my, my parents always encouraged, encouraged me to be myself and, and speak my mind, even if that was obnoxious when I was a little kid, <laughs> because I was, I've definitely always been this way. Um, but yeah, I think I, I just learned that it's, it's a lot easier to be myself and, and speak my mind instead of, you know, hiding behind, you know, closed doors or, or some facade of something that I'm not. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, I think things are always going to get spun one way or the other. Um, so in Rio after, you know, all of the aftermath of, of me saying, I don't want to raise someone who's cheating, um, in which there was probably no way that could have been spun. 
um, people were saying I was, I was the ugly American. I was like doing all these crazy things and not, you know, showing sportsmanship when all I said was I didn't want to race a cheater. Um, so I think that just kind of proved to me that, that someone's always going to be hateful and, and they would never say those things to my face. So, um, just to like, not, not take all that stuff so seriously, um, because it's really, it's really not real. It's, it's just social media is not <laughs> a real form of communication. Um, and that people are just going to be hateful whenever, and, and it shouldn't bother me. So, uh, that's just kind of how I roll. Yeah. How did your peers in the pool respond to you being that open about it? Honestly, I thought a lot of them were relieved that they, they wouldn't have to say anything. Yep. Um, but uh, for the most part, actually, pretty much with everyone, I don't remember anyone anyone being nasty or saying anything to me about it. Um, but they were all really supportive and, and um, I think grateful that I that I spoke up and said something because um, a lot of people were going through a similar, a similar situation and they didn't exactly have the guts to stand up and say something about it. Um, so for the most part, from my peers, I got very, very positive reactions. I admire. I mean, when you're when you're willing to be that open and and vulnerable and open yourself up that way, you're really living freely. And a lot of people are so insecure that they won't do that. I say all the time, Lily. My greatest insecurity is I like to be liked, <laughs> and I hate the fact that I like to be liked so much. So I admire folks like you who have that that precise a vision and understanding of who you are and don't veer from it. It's, it's a, it's a very free way to live. For sure. I mean, I, you know, I obviously like being liked as well, but um, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't feel the need to compromise my beliefs and my personality to, to be liked. Um, I, I just want to be myself and, and be honest. And um, I think I've, I've had a very good time and enjoyable time doing that. And I'm, I'm glad I get to use my platform that way. How did the coronavirus pandemic impact your routine? Uh, I mean, basically it uprooted my entire life. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, you, you train your entire life for the Olympics and then, and you know, a matter of a week that's taken away. Um, so luckily I was in a pretty, pretty fortunate situation where I was pretty secure in my spot and making the team and, and, you know, even, even meddling at the Olympics that I wasn't too terribly concerned about, about it being like a year too late. Um, cause I was never going to retire after 2020. So it wasn't like it was the end of the road for me. Um, but yeah, it was definitely difficult. Um, just, I've never had a period of time where I wasn't training for a meet. So all of a sudden we were training and we didn't have anything to look forward to really. So it was just kind of like we were working out for fun and it was just, it was, it was very strange. It was definitely a weird time. What, if any concern do you have for how that extra year additional year might impact competition in Tokyo? Yeah, it's definitely, um, I think, especially last year, we had a lot of older veterans, like really trying to hang on for that last year. And then all of a sudden it got pushed back another year. Um, so I think that's part of the reason we have such a young team this time around, um, is it, it just, it was a real shift in, in, I guess the, it was kind of a changing of the guard, at least for the, the U S team. Um, so I think we'll definitely be seeing, a lot of new faces and a lot of uh, new people showing up and, and swimming really fast and winning medals and um, just kind of the new face of the U S Olympic team. I think um, just cause that year for, for a lot of people was a year too long. As somebody who I, I'm not sure I could possibly be more ignorant about the work you have to put in, in order to be great. 
and, and reading about your training regimen, the hours, the vigilance, the discipline required is remarkable. How would you define for someone who doesn't know the lifestyle required for someone to be in a position like you've achieved and the level you've achieved? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was talking to a group of kids yesterday and I was telling them they were asking about like my daily routine and I was, I was kind of giving it to them. And I was like, it's, you know, they say eat, sleep, swim, and that's pretty much all it is. Um, it's not, you know, it's not a 40 hour work week job. It's a 24 seven, everything you do goes into it. Um, every single night of sleep is important and counts and everything you put in your body is important. And every single day of training could potentially be the difference between you making an Olympic team and you being third place. So um, it's really, it's very stressful (laughs) at times, but I think a lot of us have just become accustomed to this lifestyle and that's just, that's just (laughs) the way we live and the way we do it. One of the reasons that we wanted to chat with you today was everything that's going on in college athletics with name image likeness, because you're one of these athletes who, I mean, you chose to stay at Indiana for four years you gave, you know, you've stated, you gave your commitment to them. And, and so you did that. I want you to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think I read you forfeited 60 grand in bonuses for setting two world records in 2017 at the world championships, more than a hundred grand from the Olympics and a $36,000 annual stipend from USA swimming. Is that accurate? Um, I think that's mostly correct. Um, it's definitely, uh, those numbers are probably pretty close. I'm not sure on the exact figure, but yeah, in 2017, I, I was on set two individual world records and then two relay world records. So um, that was money that I had to forfeit in order to compete in college and get my degree. Um, so yeah. And, you know, in terms of name, image, and likeness for myself, I'm a little pissed. I'm not going to lie, um, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> obviously very excited for those athletes. Now they get to benefit off of that. But like the Olympics was the summer after my freshman year, like I could have very easily gone pro and and made that money, but I decided to stay and compete for, for my college team and get my degree. And um, I'm thankful I did that because I never, I I never would have gotten my degree otherwise. Um, But you know, I feel like I, I just missed it like a couple of years too late. So um, definitely like kind of having a pity party for myself, but um, I'm still excited for those athletes. If you were to gauge it, how much money did you forfeit? Um, just in bonuses, probably at least $150,000. But on, on, you know, sponsorships on top of that. I can lot. see, I can see why you're having a pity party. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, it's not all about the money, but that's, that's a nice perk for sure. I mean, it's going to, it's going to completely change the paradigm of collegiate athletics. What, what do you, as someone who would have benefited that dramatically, how do you see it impacting collegiate athletics as you knew it? Um, here's the thing is that it shouldn't impact collegiate athletics at all. Like that is not, you know, it's not related to performance whatsoever. Um, I think it was a dumb rule to begin with. Um, like, you know, my university and conference and the NCAA profited off of me so much. Like I, I did at least five commercials for those institutions alone and saw, you know, nothing from it. Um, so I, I don't think it should change sports at all. It's, it's really not related to athletic performance. So I don't understand why it was such a big deal to begin with. I don't either. 
I do believe it's going to – right now, quite frankly, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a show. Mm-hmm. And be, because of the, the – there's no uniform governance of it right now. It's, it's very driven by states and specific individual institutions. And so we're all kind of holding on to see where it's all going to. But, but when Travis and I, you know, kind of started to dive into – what athletes like you who were so successful on the world stage and what that actually means commercially that you had to forfeit. We were like, wait a minute, this thing isn't just Trevor Lawrence or, you know, a a, a marquee superstar in football or Zion Williamson. It's not just those guys. There are so many athletes who have the opportunity to, to benefit in a very big way, especially in Olympic sports. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do feel that I'm kind of a rare case because I, you know, I did, I kind of made a name for myself within the Olympic sports world very, very early on in my career. Um, but yeah, there, there are so many athletes that could have benefited so much from this rule, not just me, you know, uh, Katie Ledecky, Missy Franklin, like all, all of these, these swimmers. And um, why would we not, why would we not push people to stay in sports longer? Um, that's kind of my outlook on it. Like why, why would you want someone to retire at the end of college just because, you know, they weren't good enough and maybe they were good enough as a collegiate athlete, you know? So it's, um, it, yeah, it, the, the, the original role really made no sense to me at all. I, I didn't see why that was beneficial, um, to anyone. Uh, we got to let you run, but I, I just want to grab one more thing from you. Mm-hmm. I want you to give me an overall scope of what you're looking forward to in these Olympic games and the camaraderie that comes with it that those of us who don't live it, that you guys get to experience. I mean, representing your country, how amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, the just what you said, the camaraderie is – that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Um, I mean, yeah, it's great. It's great swimming and swimming fast and winning medals. But for me, it's even more fun watching my teammates do the same thing. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of almost more exciting to experience it on the outside than be it at yourself. So um, just looking forward to some fast swimming and, and people, you know, making names for themselves within the, within the sport. And uh, I think it's going to be a really, really exciting couple of weeks here. What's the emotion or, or how do you feel when you're on the podium on the top of the podium and your national anthem is playing and you're the reason why? Uh, not gonna lie. It feels pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it feels like what you think it would feel like. Um, the dream. That's the dream. It's the dream. Yeah. It's, it's, that's what you waited for your whole life. And, um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't get old. That's for sure. It doesn't get old. Well, thank you so much for your time and insight, Lily. We appreciate it. Thank you for representing our nation. And, uh, I hope you guys have a blast. Good luck over there. Be safe. And thank you again so much to everybody involved in in getting you on for us today. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. That last thing to me would be so overwhelming to, to be the reason why on the international stage at the Olympic Games, especially, I mean, she was, again, so young. 18 years old or 19, one. At the age of 18, I, I can't imagine. It's unreal. And to just stand there and, you know, it's going to be played on NBC everywhere. It's you televised that the national anthem is being televised and it's the camera's on you. I can't imagine that. I can't either. And, and what an interesting personality, right? And, and let's go back to 
for people don't remember in 2016, she came out and spoke out against the Russian swimmer who had tested positive had been banned. And then they overturned it for illegal substances and was allowed to swim. Then there's this whole stare down back and forth. She goes out there, talks to talk and then beats her. The stare down is uncomfortable. Uh, it's uncomfortable to watch. And you heard Lily say it right there that she, she turns into a different human being when she is in, in the waiting room, she's in there, man. And, and standing sort of adjacent sort of behind the Russian swimmer in question, Yulia Fimova and just giving her the stink eye, man, just giving her the full blown Mike Singletary, like it's on Lily outside the swimming is one of the nicest people I've ever met. And then it's like, she really does have an alter ego. It just clicks. Yeah. And, and I, I just, I, I meant what I said to her about how much I appreciate and admire uh, the willingness to be fearless in whatever your opinion is. I'm that way in a lot of arenas in my life. And as I've grown and aged, I've also gotten to the point where I, I have better context on whose opinions matter and whose don't. But, I mean, I can't be more open or vulnerable about that insecurity of liking to be liked. You guys have heard it on here a lot of times. And I'm still working through that at 45 years old, but I give way less of a damn than I used to especially when it comes to social media, like Lily noted. Social media is not real life. Social media, you cannot take your self-worth from social media, good or bad. And, and we are human beings, and we love affirmation, and especially when insecurity is the overriding force in a lot of your decision-making, we love affirmation, whether that comes from your wife, your buddies, certainly people who are critical of you, social media, the whole thing. And if we're in the wrong mood at the wrong time, some jackwad on social media can really set you off if you let them. And fortunately, over time, I've grown from that a bit, but it still happens from time to time. It's, it still it's, happens from time to time. And man, when I fall victim to it, I'm so disappointed in myself. And that's why folks like Lily, who are just like, screw you. This is what I think. This is how I feel. In my mind, it's right. And if you don't like it, pound sand. And can you imagine? So she didn't have her phone with her when she was swimming in 16, like at, at the pool. And then she gets back to the village, turns on her phone. And it's just blowing up. Yeah, I can she, only imagine. she said she had 35 or 40,000 new followers on Instagram immediately. Can we talk about the other, the, one of the main reasons that we wanted her on, you know, there's many reasons, but one of the ones is the name image likeness. And the whole thing was dumb to begin with, but can you imagine every dollar that she could have earned was legitimate, not from a sponsor that might've just paid her just because he likes IU or she likes IU, but for in the pool, accolades and she had yep. to turn down six figures six yeah, she figures just, she just told us 150 grand that's just in bonuses not even that's that's earned swimming you know for breaking records not even like endorsements 
that's a lot of money, man. Like, and she's right. You know, when she, she said it to us there, she's a bit of an anomaly because she was so successful, so young on a global stage in the Olympics. And with that comes Wheaties boxes and everything else. And so, yes, she is an anomaly. You know, the, so random swimmers at whatever university will not have the same opportunity that she did financially as a result of their success as swimmers. Hers was an anomaly, but nonetheless, it proves the point that we've been saying that there are athletes out there that aren't Trevor Lawrence or, or Kyler Murray or Zion Williamson or the, the, you know, the guys that are on ESPN, every platform all the time, highlight this Heisman, that type of guys. If it weren't for the, like, I never knew Lily King dominated the Big Ten in swimming. I didn't know that. I don't pay attention to it. But she's an Olympian. And not only an Olympian, an Olympic gold medalist who has a fascinating personality. And so that's why we know of her because of the success she's had and there, there's, that should she should be able to make the money earned in that context, certainly, right? Yeah, it's it's unreal, but it's just I know that Tokyo is dealing with the state. Like selfishly, I want the Olympics just because I love them. But for people like her, I just hope that they can they let them go. The games go off and they can go off without a hitch, and there won't be fans there. But oh well, let them still compete because can you imagine you practice for four years, it gets another year, and then it. You now you're getting ready to fly over there and you're unsure. I used to get frustrated as a, you know, an athlete when my baseball, my pony league baseball game got rained out, rained out. And it was going to happen the next day, right? Much less your entire life being devoted. The regimen is so stringent. You heard Lily say it there, but you guys should look it up. I saw, I saw a piece where, they're weighing their food. Their sleep is analyzed to the finite, most finite degrees. Well, and just think about it. I always tell people when they, I was a swimmer growing up and I covered Lily for just a, a brief period when she was in high school. But, and people always say swimming's not that hard. I go, imagine working out, but you can't breathe. And then, oh, yeah, you're, you're Who said up and, swimming's not that hard? Oh, you get Marty. There's so many people that say swimming's not hard, and I'm like, go at five in the morning in a cold pool in the middle of the winter and go swim, and that's no. just your first practice I, I of don't, the day, dude. I don't care. I don't care if it's optimum, the most optimum conditions, humanly, physically, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, environmentally possible. Swimming's hard. If I if swimming was easy, I would have won <laughs> so many triathlons, I couldn't count the medals. But I'm terrible. It's I'm so bad in the water. I mean, it's it's not atypical for me in a race to be and actually forget the word atypical. Let's say it's typical for me to be bottom 10% bottom 10 percentile out of the water and then compete to win my age group most of the time 
because I'm pretty proficient on a bicycle and I'm pretty proficient as a runner. I'm horrible in the water. I freak out. My heart rate spikes. The second your heart rate spikes, your breathing is off. The second your breathing is off, your stroke is a train derailment. The second your train derailment is off, your body, your, 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 your energy level and, and the effort you're expending is compounded. And then your heart rate rises even higher. And then your lungs are off even worse. And then your anxiety ratchets up even higher. It's this huge wheel of ineptitude that if, I mean, it has derailed, I mean, basically every race I've ever run, I, I'm just terrible at it. And anybody who says it's easy, if you're not Michael Phelps, man, I mean, you, you might need to check that at the door. It's not easy, but I, I'm glad that we got her on because I've been a fan of her for a while and I, I had a feeling that it was going to be a good interview and it was, and I'm now looking forward to, I was already looking forward to it. Now I'm, you know, amped up to see them go out there and compete. Yeah, she, she was very gracious. Uh, we had some technical issues there in the middle of it. And yeah, so and they're, so- they're out in Hawaii right now training the USA swim team. And then obviously then they're going to fly over to Tokyo and it's, you know, makes the trip a little easier. And so they're, you know, she just got done with practice, has a couple interviews that she had to do. You know, you know how that is. They, they line them up so that it's interview after interview after interview. And then she'll, sure. she'll probably go practice again. We got 20 minutes with her was our time allotment window. I think that we got, I mean, I, I think we got some really insightful commentary there from Lily and everything that those guys manage at, at the absolute elite level globally to be in contention to win medals. And you heard her say it, obviously the dream she's competing in four events. She wants to bring home four medal, four gold medals. And based on her body of work, I certainly think that's a plausible goal. Uh, really appreciate her. Travis, great job getting her. And, and speaking of difficult, I, I just played a round of golf right before we came on and man, as immersed as you and I have gotten in covering golf professionally, both at the masters and at the PGA championship and, and really, really having to know the game. I felt like it was important that I start to immerse myself further in the game. Plus back to triathlons a minute, I'm getting a little older. And so everything hurts so much more. So I thought, all right, I'm going to take a couple golf lessons. I'm just going to go start playing. Well, that happened. I took a lesson last week. It went – actually, it was earlier this week. It was Monday morning, I think. It went so well. I was hitting the ball very well, very straight. I uh, felt really confident. And then I got out on the course today for – I mean, I've played a lot of Fancy Pants charity events in the past. I've played race car drivers, golf tournaments. I've played at some of the nicest courses in the world. I mean, U.S. Open was just at Torrey Pines. I've played that course. So I've, I've, I've played some nice places, but I've never played the game. It's never been part of my operating procedure as a sportsman. I want it to be because I'm missing out on some cool opportunities and – 
I want to compete. I like to compete. So I went out today with my Uncle Joe, who many of you know from my master's story in 2015. And we played with two of his buddies at Great Bay Club over in Summers Point, New Jersey. And the guys' names were Mike and Bob. And Mike and Bob are pretty damn good golfers. And they were very patient men with my lack of ability today. Uh, I was all over the place. I got frustrated but not mad. And I think that's an important step in, in the growth as a player. But, man, I have a long way to go. I have so, so long to go. But that's okay. I'm it's, committed to it now. It's not easy. Now, if you need a caddy, um, I'm available. Or while you're working on your golf game, I feel like my sit in a green chair and drink beers is perfected. And if you need me to just sit at an event and watch you, I feel like I'm ready to go for that part of things. I think we're both the Tiger Woods of sitting in our folding green chair and drinking cold beer and watching Bryson DeChambeau hit at 9,000 yards. But I could be your caddy if you need me to, but just do not load my bag up and uh, trick me like uh, Rory did with Niall. Well, thank you all so much for, for listening. Thank you so much to Lily King and, and, offering her time to us in the middle of training for the Olympic Games in Tokyo. Great job, T, getting her. And thank you, guys. Thank you for your commitment to listen to this podcast. I'm getting more and more commentary from listeners about ways in which the way we've done this podcast impacts their life, whether that's kind of some testimonial things about, you know, those those being insecure or – things about managing fatherhood or being a husband on the road or all of those things that kind of are intertwined and, and woven into my fabric. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful that you guys are, are receiving some sort of spiritual reaction to it because it matters to Travis and me. Thank you so much to our law enforcement officials all over the country for working hard to keep our community safe our fire and rescue and first responders, you are heroes. And speaking of heroes, all branches, all members, all veterans of the United States military, thank you so much for your sacrifice. We appreciate you so much. This is Marty Smith's America. Thank you guys so much for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review, and we'll see you next time around.